We live by the word raise. Rise with God. Affirm your family. Invest in your church. Share in a group. Extend yourself out. So what is raise more? Join us for this two-week sermon series where we look at what happens when a body of believers raises more. worship. Pray that we would adore you. Just that word, we, I know I at least, I adore so many things other than you. I pray that you, Jesus, be the center of our lives. We'd want to get closer and closer to you, to know you more and more through your word, through your church, through trials, uh, through suffering. We would see you and know that you are your Lord of creation. Uh, you win, and in you we win in the end. And may we know that, uh, that life just begins and ends with you. Thank you, Jesus, for this time of worship, these people. We love you. Amen. Y'all have a seat. Uh, you can take your Bibles. Uh, if you have them, if you don't, you're welcome to get one in the back. There is a, uh, its own page 811, Matthew chapter 6, page 811 if you use our Bibles. Matthew 6, going to read a couple verses, uh, but before I do, start by saying a few things. First, uh, this sermon ties directly to last week's, uh, so if you were not here, uh, if you were interested, uh, check it out. And why I say that is because last week we asked a couple questions. We asked uh, how you see yourself, as in like who are you and who are we as a church. And often we see ourselves, we put our identity uh, in many things. It can be uh, looks, it can be brain power, it can be career, it can be family, it can be material, it can be all that. But who you are, we said, is a child of God, perfect No mistakes, no accidents, how you were made, where you were born, when you were born. Ephesians 2.10, you are God's workmanship. And that we are a church. Uh, Just as there was a church right after Jesus rose again, just as there was a church hundreds of years ago, we're still a church. And we're to go to all the righteous and the Sunday school teacher types and the non-believers and the hellions. And serve the poor, we're a church. That's who we are. This is directly tied to that talk, okay? And you'll pick up some of the same themes. Uh, Let me also say, uh, this week I have been like really out of sorts. Uh, More so than than I can remember in in a long, long time. And so, just kind of uh, like raw. And I don't know if that's going to come out today or not. Uh, I'm not apologizing in advance. I'm just saying it because... Uh, the Lord has taught me some things uh, this week. 
Uh, I mean, I'm just out of sorts. I mean, my wife and I have been, uh, she's gone, maybe good, good deal. We've been in more conflict uh, this week than we have in, uh, I can't remember when. Um, like I tried to, I took out the recycling, it was the wrong week, and, you know, she made fun of me for that, so another fight, you know, and I, I've just been out of sorts, and uh, I think coming back from India, physically, I fasted this week, I fasted and I didn't want to fast, if that makes sense, so I've just been physically, uh, emotionally, but uh, two quotes that I saw really spoke to me, and they spoke to me so much I wanted to share them with you, the first one, uh, let's put them up here, Winston Churchill A quote, he said, courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. It's also what it takes to sit down and listen. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, it's easy to stand up and speak, okay? Uh, Always always has been. I'm not talking about preaching. I'm just saying like, you know, a college professor said, John Hugh, you're naturally loquacious. I thought it was like this huge compliment. I go look it up and it just means talkative. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can always do that and throw that out there. And sometimes the Lord is saying like, sit down. Uh, and listen to me. Shut up. Uh, and I, I kind of heard that uh, this week. And it takes courage to do that and not like make your point, build your case, make your case. Now, there, uh, there's not often I like a quote better than a Winston Churchill quote, okay? Um, big fan of his. Ethan was almost Winston. You're probably saying I'm glad he's Ethan. But anyway, um, so another quote. And this is by a pastor I like a lot. Don't know him personally, but uh, his name's Darren Patrick. He's a pastor of a church in St. Louis. And his quote was, Christian maturity is learning to be comfortable uh, with being uncomfortable. Uh, I, I love that, uh, and, and I think it's so true. Now, you may disagree. Uh, you may say, I think Christian maturity is being comfortable more with clarity uh, and more with uh, you know, being right. I would call you a Pharisee, probably, and we, we, could have a, uh, we could have a good conversation. But I think, you know, it is being comfortable with the gray, with the gray. Now, there are things black and white. I mean, John three sixteen, you know, black and white, but there, life is this, it's a bunch of gray uh, there. And God is saying, you know, you can be comfortable in the gray because you know that I am there. And he does give uh, clarity. Somebody was uh, a good friend, a dear friend uh, in the church was talking to me this week. And they said, you know, blankety blank blank. Uh, that was not a swear word, but I wouldn't put it past this part. But blankety blank blank, you know, life is a train wreck and is just, you know, messed up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's just a disaster. I was like, yeah. And we're called to walk with them. Bottom line. And it doesn't happen overnight as in like getting out of the train wreck. Uh, and yes, there is spiritual warfare, and yes, there's an enemy, and yes, there are casualties. We win in the end, but the church is, is here uh, for encouragement, for comfort, to walk with one another. As I, could, I could put many people in that blankety blankety blank, said train wreck, called to walk with them. That's it. That's it. Uh, also this week, uh, I went to see a movie. Uh, now, I love movies, but now I, I see like two a year. I uh, used to, I'd see two a week. And uh, went to this movie. It's called Interstellar, okay? Uh, it's gotten mixed reviews. I really liked it, but I'm not trying to promote the movie. But it did. God, God speaks to me through stories. I mean I, I mean, I see the Christian God in a lot of stories. And in this one, uh, it's space. So it's beautifully shot. And you see the cosmos. And, you know, think about God. 
as creator. Uh, and it, it was that, you know, going out space and seeing planets and stars. And yet it was also just about this relationship between a father and his child. And it was so simple. And I say that because that, that's so much of, of my faith uh, in Christ. You're like, what do you mean by that? I was like, well, I, this week, okay, so if you didn't go, don't go see the movie, I'm going to be sitting in a deer stand, and one of my favorite things about deer hunting is watching um, the hues. I love that word, hue, not John Hue, H-U-E. The hues change the texture as the sun goes down across the trees, and the, the colors change. And it's like, man, just watching this artist at work. And so there's this cosmic creator God, yet he is our father who loves us. And I know uh, many of us have probably had some daddy issues. And so like, I don't get that, you know, and we have problems of like calling God daddy. He's our father. So I would say even if you have problems there, then he came to us, or we're talking about over Christmas and Advent, he sent his son. So this, this creator, cosmic, grand, big, beautiful, awesome, mighty, space, time, outside of it all, uh, loves you as a father, and more so than that, came to us in sending his son, Jesus. That is why we sing, Jesus the center of all, it all, Jesus, Lord of all creation. And so uh, wherever we are in our uncomfortableness uh, or train wrecks, Go to Jesus. Look to Jesus. It begins and ends there. And he has words for us. And he is after us. And he is pursuing us. And he's after our hearts. So let me look at Matthew 6. And let's read what Jesus says, okay? Matthew 6, I'm going to read verse 19 through 24. Jesus says, and this was on the Sermon on the Mount, He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Uh, Some of you are probably saying, oh, here's made it to church Thanksgiving. It's it's the money day. It's the money sermon. Uh, Not that at all, at all. It's the heart sermon, as they all are. You see, Jesus talked about money uh, more than anything else. And he never asked for a dime. He never asked for any money. He never took up a collection to, like, get me to Jerusalem. But he talked about money. He was talking about money because he was trying to say, what is in your heart? What is it that you value? What, as I talked about last week, do you put your identity in? How do you define yourself. And he knew, as it was then as it is now, that so often, you know, if you want to see where someone's heart is, just look at their checkbook or look at their wallet or look at their account. And see, Jesus is not after the money here or the money now. He is after your heart. So I want to break 
uh, all these verses down and, and go verse by verse through this, okay? So verse 19 we'll start with. It's, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Now, that is, uh, that's actually just some common sense uh, language, argument, as in uh, you can't take it with you. I mean, a lot of non-Christian, non-believers uh, practice that. Uh, they'll say, yeah, you know, can't take it with me, so I will, uh, you know, not focus my life on money and material possessions. I will focus it elsewhere. I mean, you can easily be a non-Christian, and I know many who are trying to be like good citizens, good citizens of the world, caretakers, uh, trying to live to this. Uh, but it's also practical because uh, everything we have uh, very soon uh, becomes uh, obsolete uh, or out of date. Uh, I mean, I'm one of the, uh, you know, I mean, I, I got an iPhone 4, you know. I mean, some of you are like, you know, dude, you know, just out of, out of whack, you know. I mean, is there a 6 now or a 7? I mean, I lost track. I don't know. I mean, mine's pretty good, you know, and I, I'm good with that. But some are like, you know, how's years back? Uh, on the flight to or from India, I don't know which one. It's all confused. But I, I watched another movie, and I thought about this. You know, it was, uh, uh, it was one of the Bourne movies. Love the Bourne movies, you know, Bourne Identity, all that. And uh, yeah, this struck me. I think it was made like 2002, 03. But they literally had like box computers. I was like, what? You know, a box. You remember that? You know, like big box, you know? Anybody do those anymore? I mean, now like a laptop is like, you know, out of date. And our toys, our trinkets, uh, we need more and more. We need what's better. Uh, and then the other thing that we shouldn't lay up treasure in heaven is that, and, and you really need to get this, because uh, I haven't yet, so maybe you can help me. Uh, these things we desire, they, they create this emotive or emotional response in us. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think you could argue, I mean, it's a trick of the devil, it's, it's sin, it's, it's all these things combined. Like, what are you talking about? Well, uh, I, I know this, I've known people, not say who, but say, you know, when I feel bad, when I feel depressed, I will go and buy clothes, okay? Anybody, anybody want to be honest and, and repent today? Raise hands, okay? There we go. Now, I, for me, thank you, thank you. Now, you know, there's this emotional uh, response uh, to that. Uh, I have the same thing, same problem. Not clothes, though. I buy books. Uh, my wife is, like, looking at my Amazon list for Christmas, like, you want all these books for Christmas? Like, yeah. Yeah, I want them all. I want them all. And it makes me feel better than just add and stockpile these books and you get back into the same place. There's this weird emotional deal that, well, if I have that and I'm having a bad day, then I'll feel a little better. And it's crazy. So, so Jesus is just actually giving us some practical advice, saying, like, you're being crazy. These are not going to fulfill you, uh, complete you. I also used to do that on, like, experiences, uh, travel experience. My wife gets on to me about this. Uh, now it's like I'd be like, oh, I got to go here, and I got to have this, you know, this whole deal, and that, then I got to go here, and then the next place, and the next, you know, beautiful vista, the next adventure, and it's just there's still the void, and there's still the emptiness. A great experience, great pick, you know, but it has not filled me up, hadn't completed me. And Jesus is saying this to me, to us, He's saying if if that's your treasure. The trip, the experience, the clothes, the books, the trinkets, the car, living in that zip code versus another one, the house, the second home, whatever that is, and that that can be so much, we can't take it with us. So there is some practical advice there, Jesus is saying. 
but he's going to go deeper, okay? Stay with me. Verse 20, he says, don't do that, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, you, you probably heard this, so I'm going to kind of give the Sunday school response first, but then we're going to go a little deeper, okay? So bear with me. The Sunday school response, you hear that, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I can't take it with me, so lay up treasure in heaven, which is uh, do good work for the Lord, do a good service, which we should uh, live open-handedly. So like if, if there are people in need, say, man, I, my hands are open, I'm, I'm here to help, uh, whether that's a handshake, whether it's a pat on the back, whether it's some resources I can share uh, corporately to gather together uh, and use our resources uh, to, to literally push back against the darkness in the world with the light of Christ. I talked last week or Wednesday about our walk in India down uh, the streets uh, in the brothel territory, the red light district. It's literally like pushing back against the darkness. Uh, we're called to do that. We're called to go. We're called to use our resources. Your body, your life is a resource. Uh, so your health is a resource. Uh, your, your mental capacity is a resource. Uh, your finances are a resource. Uh, your home is a resource. Do you have people over? Do you invite strangers? Uh, do you invite uh, older married couples? Do you invite a younger married couple to come in and, uh, and, and just love on them and maybe mentor them? Uh, do you invite uh, young folks, college students, uh, single? Do you invite, use your home, use your resources that God has given you? These are treasures in heaven that, uh, that cannot be destroyed. And we are called to do this. What we call is our mission statement, raise the kingdom. Raising the kingdom. Now, uh, wonderful. You, you could, again, use that as a Sunday school uh, explanation. But here's the deal. Jesus goes even deeper. And you've probably never gone into this passage this way. And that's, it's why it's not about money. And it is about your heart, Okay. See, the deal is, God doesn't need our treasures in heaven, okay? God is not like, I don't know, a CEO or CFO or, or bank manager and like, all right, just stockpiling treasures. Like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. You know, I'm getting all these treasures. God doesn't need it. Uh, God has invited us to play, to participate. But see, the, the key is, and I intentionally use my, my hands like the, the key Turn this lock and open this door. And I pray you said the key is he's talking about your heart now. He's talking about your heart here and now today. And it goes into the next verse where it is verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, he doesn't need our treasure. He doesn't need our stuff. He's, he's going to get his deal done regardless. Uh, part of the beauty of the gospel, and I, and I like to always say the gospel is like this, this huge, massive diamond, and there's so many angles. I mean, there's salvation, resurrection, um, incarnation. We're talking about Christmas. But, but one of it is that we are invited to be part of what God is doing in the world. And we can accept that invitation or we can reject it. God's still going to get his deal done, okay? And God knows but he's invited us to be part of it. And it's also so, it's, it's for us. This is what I want you all to say. This is the key. It's, it's for us here and now. So our hearts will be uh, at peace uh, and have strength uh, and have purpose 
and have light. He's going to talk about light in a minute. He says it for us here, now, that our hearts will be right. He goes on, and here's how he connects this. Look at it, okay? Verse 22 and 23. Always been a weird verse here. This is like, what is Jesus, you know? Let's, let's look at it. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Uh, now, you may be like, what does Jesus mean in there? Let me try to simplify it, okay? Let me try to simplify it. Let's, let's all close our eyes, okay? I'm going I'm to close my eyes, and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. It's not nap time, okay? But close your eyes, and I want you to imagine, just try to block everything out, okay? So if your eyes are open, I'm not seeing it. My eyes are closed. Close your eyes, and just imagine how you want to be. Uh, now, now, some of y'all, you'd never admit it. You know, you want to look like, you know, hot stuff, whatever, you know, uh, I'll start, don't get mad at me, Linda, females, you know, you, know, you want to like look, she doesn't, by the way, but you want to look immaculate and look wonderful and beautiful, and so now let me hit on us dudes, like, you want to look like hot stuff, you want to look good, and, you know, y'all are both females and males, you know, working out and like wearing yourself out for body image, and, you know, that's your deal, how you want to be is looking a certain way. Another deal is maybe it is money, and, and maybe you are literally chasing money. And if you had, you know, this home or had these trips or this career or this position, or maybe it is, is family and, you know, your kids are just skyrocketing and just, just killing it, rocking it out, doing wonderful. Just look at yourself. Imagine this is how you want to be. Or maybe it's relationships and being in the right social circles, supper clubs, you know, having the right friends, the right connections, the Rolodex is stacked with all the right numbers. And, I mean, you're just good. Imagine that. All right, now open your eyes, okay? Uh, that image, if, if you're going in any of those directions, uh, that is the light of your body. That's what you're seeing for yourself. Uh, you may not say, oh, what do you mean? I see, you know, the reality. No, we are imagining and we're moving towards how we want to be. And so if that's the deal for you, uh, and many of it, us could say, well, one or all, and, and that's it, that, that's filling your, your life, your soul. I mean, that's lighting up your life. That is uh, focusing everything that you do. That is making decisions for you. That's affecting relationships where you say, it's not how I can give to this person, it is what I can get from this person. You see what I'm saying here? I mean, that, that is the light. How you see yourself emanates up and it, it, it's played out day to day, action, action, relationship to relationship. And Jesus is saying, be careful what you see. Be careful how you see yourself. Be careful how you're looking at yourself. Be careful what your treasure is. Because he would say, and this ties into last week, Ephesians 2.10, what I think y'all need to hear, what I need to hear, you are God's workmanship, created for good works, 
beforehand so that you would walk in them. It's an awesome verse, beautiful verse. There are no mistakes. You are not a mistake. How you look is not a mistake. How you talk is not a mistake. How your emotions are wired is not a mistake. God made you uniquely perfect. There are no accidents. And the when and the where of your life, no accident. You're his workmanship. That artist, the hues in the, in the sky, you know, he, he drew you too. But I love that verse because it also says, you're not just his work, you're created for good works that you would walk in them. And so, man, I want you to see that your life, you know, we, we're imagining and we, you know, we don't give thanks for what we have and we just strive for what we don't have. You got it all. You got it all. You, you got the package that God wanted for you. Now it's like, you know, what are you going to do with it? Just rest in that. Rest in that. And start trusting him and walking Walking in those works that he established beforehand for you. But you got it all. You got it all. Now, I want to read this last verse real quick. Verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Uh, A couple things on that verse. First off, he explicitly says money, but... There are so many masters that are competing for our affections. It can be wealth. It it can be, again, Rolodexes and relationships. It can be just your name. Your name. And how people see your name. Let me be honest. I told my wife, I'm probably going to be pretty raw, authentic this, this Sunday. She's like, pour it on. Praise God. But my deal was my name. We were talking this week. I was like, man, I was such a hellion for like 12, 14 years. And I was saying, like, you, know, you, you know, we glorify that stuff. You know, like, I'll outdrink you, you know, and all that. I mean, we did. I did, okay? And she corrected me as she does. She's like, you are not a hellion. You are an egomaniac, okay? <laughs> and it's true. I wanted my name up there. And be even more authentic. That's what I still struggle with. The master is how you're perceived, how you're seen. And Jesus says, then that's your master, and your heart will be divided. Your heart will be divided. And it can be money, it can be your name, it can be your reputation, it can be having it can be partying, all that. Jesus doesn't want our heart divided. That's why this is not about money, it's not about wealth, it's not this money sermon. It's the heart sermon. It's the heart. He says, I want all your heart. I want your heart fully, completely, openly. That's why we need the church as people. So, like, with this verse, like, what do you do? It's hard. You you just said it was hard for you. Yeah. So, we need one another. We need people. Here's what I'm saying. You, You need someone who is a little further along in their walk with God. Let me me tell you one story to illustrate this, okay? Uh, I... I'm a pretty good ping pong player, okay? And I know you're saying now you are an egomaniac. No, I'm a pretty good ping pong player. And because my high school baseball coach, he, uh, he told us to do two things, okay, hand-eye coordination. Learn to juggle, learn to play ping pong. He bought a ping pong table to put in our baseball room. By the way, we need a ping pong table in the youth room, and uh, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll get it on. But So playing ping pong, and we have, we're pretty low maintenance at the house. 
we got, a, you know, like a stretch net that we put on our, our fine dining table, okay? And stretch it out, and, and we'll play ping pong. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll easily defeat Linda. And, uh, but Jack is, uh, Jack is uh, wanting to learn to play. So this, uh, this past week, so I don't play ping pong, so we got it out. He's played, you know, maybe ten times. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm just, uh, just, uh, just uh, you know, just hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. You know, I mean, I beat him 21-3. And I gave him a couple points there. Uh, next game, 21-5, maybe six. You know, and it was just, you know. And Jack um, gets so mad. I mean, like, he wants to win. I love this. I mean, he wants to win so bad. I don't know where he gets it from. He was win so bad. I mean, he slamming ping pong, uh, whatever, paddle. You know, he goes to the other room. He has this look. He just looks up, and he just, you know, he's so frustrated. He, he bolts out the door. And he says, I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to ever play. I want to play something else. And, and you know the type uh, who, you know, if you can't do it well, they don't want to do it. Uh, I, I'd never know anything about that. But anyway, so Jack was, he was rolling like this. And he's like, you know, I don't want to play. You know, let's play checkers or something else. And his mom uh, said, said, Jack, if you want to get better at anything, you got to play with people who are better than you. It's real basic, real simple. So if you want to get better at this, you got to play with folks who are better than you. Because, I, I mean, I have looked at that verse like, man, that's can't serve two masters. Man, where do I start? You start in the church. Uh, we really need to grow more of a culture of discipleship, mentorship here, uh, where people are, are literally spiritually under other folks. Who They say, you know, you're a little he- ahead in your walk. Help me. Help me, please. Uh, we need to be uh, open and honest with saying Help, help, and others need to say, I will help you. I'll make time for you. We need that. You need that. I need that. We all need mentors, and we also need God to be a mentor. And let me be real clear on this. I mean, you can look to other people, and, like, we get all emotional and share our feelings and all that good stuff, but you need to look to God's Word. You need to spend time with Him. You need to have a divine mentor. And daily time in the Word. Chris and I were talking about this just, I think it was Friday. We were talking like, you know, it, it is all the time, you know, if someone comes to us, counsel everything, you know, train wreck, my life, blah, blah. Well, how much time are you spending in God's Word? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I try, you know, I don't know, every now and then. Same response, you know. Getting God's Word. God's Word is a mentor. God wants to be a mentor. And get with other people. You need it. We need it. Now, the last thing I want to do, I want to close this today. And doing so, close your eyes one more time, okay? I want to try to show ourselves one more thing. Close. And I, I want you to think about this tied to Scripture, growing in Christ. Imagine yourself now, not as you want to be, or some of your dreams or fantasies. Imagine yourself it's just you're growing in maturity. You're becoming more and more comfortable when all the world around you is uncomfortable. Uh, you're in God's Word daily. Uh, you've begun to meditate on it. You've begun to read it so much that, I mean, you just you think of verses and, and you speak them out. And, and you're, you're in a situation and someone needs help and you speak a verse. And you're becoming saturated with God's Word. And imagine how that's affecting uh, relationships and friendships. 
and people are looking to you for counsel uh, to be a mentor. And imagine how that's affecting marriages. Uh, and you're, you're talking openly. And even if one of you is further along, uh, you're patient. Uh, you're less prone to get angry. Uh, you're forgiving. You're committed, most of all. Even when it is a train wreck, you're committed. Uh, and if you're single, you're content. You're content in what God's doing in you. You're content in that you're his workmanship and that you're walking in his plan. Uh, think about how it affects uh, our church family, the Bellwether family, uh, that people are just growing deeper in life together and in relationship with one another. People are reconciling that some thought, man, they'll never get back. They're just so at odds. People are forgiving. People will readily say, it's just my bad. Think about how it affects your stewardship and your resources of, of your bodies, of your life, of your time, of your wealth, of your resources of home, of your cars, of property, of buildings. And this church is having great capacity in laying up those treasures in heaven, even though God doesn't need them, pushing against the darkness in this city, in the cookie-cutter homes, in the white picket fences, and in far-flung places from Honduras, India, and beyond, and just having this, this great capacity for the kingdom. All right, everybody open your eyes. Uh, all we have for that to happen is right here. We got it all. You got God's word, most of all. We can be saturated in it. We have, and we overlook this, one another. I said again, one another. We are his church. You have relationships. We may even have broken relationships that can be healed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have a place, a home. We have leaders who are committed. We have people who are willing to be a mentor. And if you're out there and you need a mentor, you need being discipled, and you can't think of me, right, just call me. Either I'll mentor you or I'll put you with someone. We have everything we need right here. We have a passion to go and opportunities to go. Most of all, Jesus is here. He's here, he's open, he wants your heart, and he wants you to take a step to surrender your life. So we're, we're going to close today, uh, as we always do with an invitation in communion and coming forward, but I invite, all you have, you've got it, individually. You've got it. And all we have, we've got it. So all we have to do is take a step to surrender, uh, to humble ourselves, to repent. And sometimes that takes a lot of strength. But God does a work in surrender in our humility, individually and together. So I invite you, wherever you are in life, take another step today. Take a step to say, I'm going to live 50-50. I'm going to give 50-50. Uh, I'm going to go next year. I'm going to serve in this way. I'm going to repent 
I'm going to make that phone call today to heal a broken relationship. I'm going to give thanks uh, greater than I ever had this year. Uh, I am not going to respond when my spouse says that. I'm going to pray for him or her daily. What is your step? What is your, take that step, and we'll walk with you. We will walk with you. I'll walk with you. It's my call here to walk with you, us. We'll walk together. Take a step. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can take a step to you because you took a mighty step to us in coming to us, uh, loving us, dying for us, giving up your life. And you do all this because you want our heart. And you see the the competition uh, from the the treasures on earth. I pray for me, I take a step today. I pray that we together would take a step that our heart would not be divided. And we'd realize that realize that you want the best for us and you've already given us everything that we need and we trust in you. Trust in how you've made us. Trust in where we are. Trust in when we are. And we would take a step to grow. I pray that mentors would be raised up here to reach out. I pray that humble people would be raised up here to say, I need help. And people would respond. I pray that specifically. And I know that it will happen. Thank you for this day. Thank you for so much Thank you for Jesus. In him we pray. Amen.